Hi, welcome back. I've had some good feedback from last week's, and I deliberately tried to stay away from any of the kind of typical uh, news content or even behind the news content. Um, and it might seem like the topics are a bit random, but I think they come together nicely in the end. I tell a story at the end about an experience, or basically my experience with retail recently, or in the last even 12 months, 18 months, I've been noticing this. But I forgot to leave off the very last part, which is this kind of little bit of a shock I had um, maybe four or five weeks ago when I'm in a cafe and they're trying to tell me what the rules are. And, I, and I'm bending the rules a little bit. I'm sipping my coffee while I'm waiting for my turkey wrap to be made or whatever. But one of the young managers, I don't know, maybe she was like a senior barista. She just comply. She's like <laughs> giving me an edict. Just comply. Just comply like this. So that that's why I wanted to talk about the hierarchy in these retail experiences now. And it's also to do with another word, another word they've uh, manipulated and taken a different ownership of. And they've changed the word customer to consumer. So customer used to be somebody you work for and you try to please and you try to delight. But consumer is a word that's like this annoying nuisance that just comes like a parasite and just consumes things, you know? So that's, um, I forgot to tie that that little tiny anecdote in at the end, and I had a couple other corrections. Um, the movie I was trying to remember uh, is Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness. Um, came to me in, later on in the, in the talk. And then there were a couple of words. I, I had a couple of word slips. I, I used the word diverted when I meant to use the word averted, and I used the word um, descending when I meant to use the word dissenting. So I caught, I caught it immediately, but uh, I wanted to just correct that. And then the other, the final little piece is um, I, t I talk a little bit about this this defense that you know if there's a failure, it's usually competency, not conspiracy. And I always subscribe to that. But probably my biggest red pill was a health experience I had maybe five years ago, where I could see as clear as day that the failures were systemic and they were everywhere. They were in the Gulf, they were in Switzerland, they were in USA, uh, they were in, um, you know, it was like specialist centers as well as main hospitals. They were just systemic everywhere. I could see just that the, the logic flows were wrong. <laughs> and uh, that's really one of my major red pills when I started asking the question, how is this medical system systemically corrupt? You know, I couldn't figure it out. It, it, greed and incompetence and narcissism and egotism, none of that explained it. And, um, and so that's what, what led me to some of my biggest uh, breakthroughs in terms of seeing the way things operate. And finally, um, I defined the word anarchy in there somewhere. Um, no masters, no slaves is a literal kind of etymology. But another uh, definition that I like is rules with no rulers. Um, just uh, as a clarification. All right, well, enjoy. Welcome back. Um, all the links, again, will be in the YouTube, and they'll also be on the website under the podcast section, episode 5, synthesismeaning.me. Enjoy.
welcome back. I've had some great feedback from my last blast, and I want to try and uh, build on that. I'm personally, and I'm hearing from a lot of different quarters, everyone's kind of getting tired of the topic around the current mania, myself included, like the details behind it, even though you have to dig into it to get to your own uh, perspective. But um, but the whole topic is so tediously dull at this point. <laughs> but um, I what I'd like to focus on, on this one, is uh, these dialogues I've been having with some good friends that are, they're not even fence-sitting. They really have checked out of the conversation and uh trying to understand these are these to me these are real guys these are i mean they're real men modern men but they just haven't integrated their warrior spirit (laughs) with their uh western lifestyle i guess you could say and so the sense i'm getting from the exchanges is that they're kind of like ah i don't want to look into this if i look into this and I find something <laughs> that I'm going to have to change my view on this. Then I'm going to have to talk about it. Then I'm going to have to get in an argument with everybody in my household and most of the people I know. And then I'm going to have to take action. You know, it's like this whole, like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying my current Netflix series and and the popcorn. and <laughs> um, So that's kind of the demeanor. It's not that there's anything not working it's just, please don't make me look into this. That's kind of, and and getting to the bottom of the, some of these some of these threads is like it is it is hard work. You actually have to go out. I forget that Buddhist expression. You have to go after truth like you want it more than oxygen almost. However, to to figure out that the mainstream story is flawed, it takes almost nothing. It just takes a couple of searches on a reliable search engine, and it's like scratching the thinnest veneer of paint with your fingernail. It's it's so easy to know, to see. So any piece of this of the mainstream story that doesn't sit well with you, it's a 10-minute exercise to sit at your your laptop or your PC and do a couple of searches on a on a clean search engine. And um, and have your own little piece of the puzzle that that you can see right through. Getting to the what the, what the real answer is, like um, I think they've done surveys in the U.S. I forget what the number is. It's a very big number. It's over 50%. I believe it's over 50% of Americans now don't believe the official story of 9/11, or it it might be even more damning that more than 50% of Americans believe that 9-11 was an inside job. So, I mean, that's uh, that just shows you that um, people are very aware that the mainstream can't be trusted, that the governments can't be trusted. But then when you go to like all of the details behind that, you'll never get agreement in any pocket. So you're kind of getting this lazy consensus if you just listen to CNN (laughs) but if you just start looking you'll just so quickly realize that there's so many holes in the story just like the JFK story it's just so obvious it's almost a form of mockery I think how they make it so obvious that it's fake 
um, because they're betting on your on your laziness. So I guess what I'd like to say is um, that what's missing is uh, there's an imagination deficit, and this is and I I I I don't know I guess people most people have have kind of uh, outsourced their imagination to Hollywood. And they're quite happy with letting the imagination happen in the in the movies and, and TV series, and they've stopped imagining what <laughs> what the world could be like if we were all cooperating like a native people or you know First Nations type of uh, traditional community, and they uh, and they're quite happy to fantasize about superheroes and Star Wars and all the rest. And uh, so there's just there's just no moral will behind an inspired imagination that's happening, and so they don't they just can't imagine anything better than you know comfortably being provided with a house in the suburbs that's completely isolated from any sense of community or spirituality and a and an unlimited uh, porn hub and an unlimited Netflix uh, membership and that's kind of their idea of okay I guess this is this this life you know so. Um, I uh, I don't know how you tap into that imagination other than, other than recognizing, but I guess what I'd like to try and do in this in this blast is um, get people annoyed at the games that are being played and how they've kind of gotten into this position. It's a it's a sophisticated level of mind fuckery, I would call it. I think this is going to be the title, and. Um, and it starts long before you're born. You know, your your parents and grandparents were traumatized by world wars that were manipulated, and then they were also programmed. I mean, our uh, the generation that gave birth to us, um, they were the first ones being exposed to movie and movies and TV in a big way, and that so that was major manipulation there. Um, and so all your teachers, all your coaches, all your all your everybody that you looked up to, parents, uncles, and aunts, they all had the similar programming before you even showed up, and then it just went into hyperdrive. When I think about this concept of must must see TV, when I was really in some formative adult years, I guess you would say probably 25 to 35, or maybe 22 to 32, something like that, and I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, the and that's just pure. Uh, propaganda, psychological programming, trying to make you think that the ultimate life is complete stasis, just just creature comforts, and um, and so I'm constantly kind of stumbling on these programs that have been embedded in me, and and they often have come from from that that uh, time of uh, must see TV. But then you know at the same time, if somebody comes along that's sort of churchy and says, oh that Oh, that's Sam Malone on Cheers. He's just, uh, you know, that's just bad. You know, you, 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 it's really easy to reject that. So, um, because it just sounds so dated and and repressive, <laughs> especially when it's so humorous and seemingly intelligent. You know, the humor was quite, it seemed intelligent. So anyway, there's a massive, I guess the bad, I, what I'm trying to say is, and I've been watching, I'm just completely hooked on battle movies since christmas since before this this later latest mania um swept the world uh and it's just so clear to me that the 
the battle is on. I mean, the Nazi tanks are rolling into the minds and hearts of the population right now through the mainstream media and, um, and trying to fight it, uh, with Facebook threads is, is like, you know, they've got a howitzer and you've got a barely a, a revolver. So, um, so I think it's, it's helpful to see that the, that the tanks are rolling into the heads of your children through the government education and through the TV programming. And you and and the battleground is the words that they're using and the spaces they're filling to connect you back to that last episode, podcast four. So they'll plant a word in your mind. Here's a perfect example. And this is like a coming of age movie for my entire generation. Breakfast Club. We all loved it. It was a high school and it was a little bit there was a little bit of, you know, sexual content. It was like these kind of rebellious kids and and they're rebelling against authority. And so, um, but that's the first time I ever heard the word anarchy. Uh, when Judd Nelson had a line about it, it'll be anarchy, it'll be chaos, you know, something like that. And so, boom, there, I'm at that time probably 18 or something. And now the, now the word anarchy is in my brain as uh, bedlam and chaos. It's a bad word. It's something you don't want. And, uh, and so, I mean, the, the landscape is just riddled with the end. If you're not aware that this is like foreign agents, largely that are manipulating your mindset and they're marginalizing you through all these different manipulations, um, and they're marginalizing you into isolation of like what feels like impotence in the, in the suburbs. And so then you just don't want to take up a torch and, and fight any battles because your imagination's just been shot and you've sort of been bought off by creature comforts. And you also are owned by, you know, by banks and mortgage companies and uh, car loan financing companies and all of that and corporations that we work for. So, um, so I think once you start seeing the fingerprints of the manipulation, it's... And the mockery right in your face, uh, I think that's enough to start getting you pissed off enough to want to dig into it yourself and, um, and make a case for, for the greater good. <laughs> uh, because the track we're on right now with these sleeping kind of um, um, fence sitters, they're not even fence sitters, they've taken a side, and the side is do nothing. Um, the track we're on right now is, I mean, whether they do it on this wave or the next wave, it's, it's coming with very little resistance. Um, I mean, I can't believe I'm sharing clips online with, um, mothers that are protesting for free speech and free movement. And they're being separated from their children on camera in Australia. And there's people on my Facebook defending the police. Oh, that she should have known the rules. (laughs) Oh, the rules, the rules are completely against everything our communities or our societies have always stood for. So, um, now the other, uh, well, so in terms of imagination, I mean, talking about a traditional, it sounds like you're going backwards, but I don't know. I mean, obviously it's, it's a long way from here to there, but when you think, when you start to see the pieces of the like urban planning and the architecture, 
uh, the way they've they've atomized us and we move to another city and then we're we're weakened by that and uh, we're all not involved with any kind of you know um, moral spirituality we maybe be doing yoga or meditation at home but there's no kind of moral fabric anymore um, and so we're completely weakened so to try and imagine what what we're what we're what we would fight for it starts to become difficult except for you know when they start coming to your houses and dragging away your neighbor because they posted something on Facebook but that's almost going to be too late so anyway the you know there's a, there is an image that keeps coming with um, avatar type movies where you've got a, an advanced society that lives with more spirituality and virtue at the center and one with one with the earth you know and I'm not saying getting away from technology exactly but I'm just saying rising above it but anyway I don't know exactly what that looks like but um, but there's a lot better ways to live than we are and, and, and all you have to do is look at the history of the interference with these traditional societies I mean all over the world um, traditional societies threaten the controllers so they've done all kinds of dirty tricks to, to break them up but um, so the, I'll just go through some of the arguments that some of these guys are posing guys and women are posing and maybe we can try and dismantle them a little bit and uh, and get a dialogue happening around that um, so I <laughs> I posted I've been sharing this flyer from dollar vigilante I'll, I'll share it in the link I think it's a really good first step to try and help people like there's all kinds of people that know it, do, it doesn't add up but they don't have anything to grab onto. so they've so dollar vigilante has put together a, a nice uh, bullet point point flyer of all the flaws in the story of the pandemonium and uh, so I've been sharing it with friends that I trust and um, and like one of one of my good old friends yesterday said, oh, that, well that's an interesting perspective so the uh, the first argument I'm hearing the most if you can get somebody's attention enough to try and get into a, a debate with you the very first argument is yeah well it's almost like this religious perspective you know that guy he believes CBC word for word and you believe your channels word for word so I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle and uh, I'm not gonna you know try and I'm not gonna pick a side I'm just gonna watch you guys make fools of yourselves and uh, and I'll just watch how this plays out you know it's like a total <laughs> spectator thing well the best I mean the best seeds these are just seeds of doubt I've been trying to plant with people the, the best seeds I've gotten my hands on are you gotta notice by now that the mainstream changes their story every single day and there's no part of their story that's coherent with any other part of their story okay <laughs> so it's like multiple levels of complete house of cards bunch of fake numbers and KPIs all manipulations all over the world um, and you once you find the right truth channels that especially the ones that saw it coming ahead of time they've never changed their story they're perfectly consistent and their explanations are perfectly consistent on all levels of analysis so uh, so it's not like oh you know you, you, you one's Catholic and one's uh, Muslim and you're both just going on blind faith it's not that at all <laughs> one story hangs together and the other story doesn't even hang together on its face in any given day so 
um, I think you can kind of get plant some seeds of doubt around that. But um, uh, yes. So what's the other the other some of the other arguments that are being put forward? Um, well, one is just uh, people just don't want the discomfort of going sideways with authority. So they're we've been so conditioned through our education system, through our corporate jobs, um, through our family systems often, that, you know, you're a naughty child if you go against the authority. <laughs> uh, and But there's no, there's no other cross-check. There's no, like, how does the authority line up with my idea of, of what's right for the population? There's no cross-check. There's just, like, trust authority blindly. It's like this priest, the modern priest idea. If, uh, if the, the, the scientist in the white coat says it, then that's the authority and, um, and you go along with it. So, uh, so that's, that's another level of discomfort. People, people want to be seen as good little boys and girls still. And they also think, this is another thing I've noticed. I, I, did, I said this in one of our earlier podcasts, but... There's this, this, this lack, I mean, we're in our, most of us in our 40s and 50s now. And there's this idea that the people that run the world are some other group of people. You know, oh no, the grown-ups are going to do that. <laughs> like we're not the ones that are owning our own future and our children's future, you know. So um, it's like realizing that we are the grown-ups and when authority goes against what is in our best interest long term that's when it's time to speak up and it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is uh, and so this whole trust authority all it's combined with distrusting your own reason and judgment and I wish I knew better how that's happened but I just can't believe people with their own eyes are, are won't say okay my eyes said this my brain says this now if I put that together into words it looks like this people aren't doing that they're just taking the messages straight and there's no cross check with what they're witnessing in real life. So I think, okay, yeah, this brings me to an, another aspect that I saw right from the beginning. Uh, and I thought it was so strange, but I did see this pattern. Maybe it was a year or two ago that people are confusing what they see on TV and what they've seen in movies with reality. It's like, it's like watching Saving Private Ryan. I watched Saving Private Ryan last night, and people think that they have studied the history of the Second World War. You know what I mean? And they can talk about the Second World War. Maybe there were some truths in there, but you're getting confused. So when Nelson Mandela died, Morgan Freeman got a whole bunch of RIP uh, condolence messages on his Facebook page because they got confused with, between the actor and the real-life leader. Because they've seen Morgan Freeman play Nelson Mandela a couple times in movies, for example. Um, oh, there was another one like that, if I can remember. Oh, yeah. So there was a Facebook quote, or a LinkedIn quote. You know, there's, this, there's these guys that put, and often very inspiring quotes, and it was a great quote. But it was Will Smith's picture on a quotation of his character from, um, oh, man. The one where he's stuck, where he's down and out with his son, and he becomes a traitor. Oh, sorry, I can't remember the title right now. But anyway, 
so the quote, so the so the movie was inspired by a book, which is inspired by a real life guy. Okay, that Will Smith is playing that character, and so from the book to the script, there's a there's a character he's playing, in which the original. So you can either put credit to the script writer, or you put credit to the original author of the book, or you put credit to the original guy that he's playing. Those three people you could credit the source of the quote, but it's not Will Smith. <laughs> he's reading it, right? So the 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 guy had put this beautiful photo and this beautiful quote about about um, you know being down on your luck and and uh, and always battling to better yourself, you know that kind of a thing. And then they they credit it to Will Smith. I was like, wow, that's so bizarre. And there's all kinds of people liking. Nobody's pointing it out that you're misquoting. Like Will Smith read that. He read that on screen. Will Smith didn't say that. He's an actor. He's reading a script. So people are getting very confused with the movie they saw and what's happening. So when CNN or whoever starts to sound similar to a movie that they saw before, they're just confusing them all and putting it all together. And so when you watch some of those Contagion movies, I mean, you're kind of traumatized or whatever you imagined yourself, the role you imagine yourself playing when you watch that movie, that kind of gets into your DNA. Then you see CNN playing it out. And now you think you're kind of playing in a movie and it's, uh, it's weird. It's weird if you're not seeing the, the disconnect between, between the two. So, um, yeah, people, and, oh, well, so on top of that, so that, that's why people start to, to distrust their own eyes and their own reasons. They somehow, and I, I have found this really weird for at least, well, more than 10 years. You're at some amazing event. Like I was at my friend's uh, bachelor party. It wasn't really bad. It was just a stag night. We just went out. We just we it was very wholesome, but we ended up at a at a just a uh, not even a nightclub. It was just like a roadhouse. And these guys are filming instead of enjoying. You know, we all have bonded now through this experience. Instead of enjoying the evening, we got these guys wandering around filming what everybody filming other people enjoying the evening. You know, it's like this is so weird. You're 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 witnessing your life like as like a completely partial observer. So when you see the woman in um, in uh, Sydney getting her child taken from her from the police, all these people are you know having an instinct of filming. That's one thing, but I mean that should be secondary to like protect the mother, protect the child, right? Like you're just watching the world unfold in front of you, and for some reason you think you're watching uh, simulacra, something artificial. And I, I don't know exactly how that has happened in our psyche, but it's really creepy. It's really, really creepy that something terrible can happen to somebody innocent right in front of you. And uh, your first instinct is to, is to try and get points on social networks instead of trying to help the, help the tragedy get diverted, right? So that, that's just another aspect of confusing, confusing um, reality with film. Okay, so that... Um, I wish I could kind of remember a couple of these other arguments with these guys because um, I've seen a couple of people during this pan pandemonium uh, go from, you know, these impartial observers to actually sort of getting almost activist, but they're quietly doing and they send me private messages. Nobody's saying anything on LinkedIn. I mean, the entire professional network, you know, they're just a bunch of posers. Nobody's saying anything 
that this doesn't add up. You know, all these great critical thinkers that are patting themselves on the back for their great <laughs> intellect all the time. Um, nobody's speaking out. Nobody's broadcasting anything. And uh, so I posted, there was a guy, he wrote a nice feel-good kind of post about things you've learned. Of, and there's all kinds of nice, positive, spiritual, um, what would you call it? Spiritual uplifting experiences during this time, but valuing what's important, valuing family, valuing um, uh, time together, valuing peace, you know, and uh, getting out of the rat race. There's all these good things. But I posted on there, live free or die. You know, that's something I've learned, the value of freedom. The freedom's worth dying for. <laughs> and uh, no, not one, not, not one comment, feedback, nothing. It's just, it just nobody wants to go there. So I think what's happened, let me try and tie these threads together. Imagination, okay, the imagination that somehow we've outsourced. Um, people's greatest idea of imagination is just unlimited Pornhub and Netflix in my comfortable suburban house and uh, maybe my kids can go off to their government programming schools and uh, that's it. So freedom, they think they are having freedom right now. They feel this is free enough. I mean, so what if that everything's getting censored and it's sort of a bit of a hoax? I'm comfortable right now, you know? <laughs> so I just urge you to, to, to think that the tanks are rolling into the minds of your own households. And if you don't start getting your own position, um, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. The, the, the mindsets are going to get polluted. If the kids ever go back to school, oh my God, I don't know how you can hold this descending viewpoint at the, at the moment. It's so uh, reassuring. There's all kinds of, especially in Berlin, all kinds of populations that are rising up and and demonstrating that they're going to take their freedoms back. But man, it's that population that's quietly observing. That's the one that's really dangerous. Because when they fake the next thing, some bigger pandemic, um, and that whole group stays quiet, and they bring out bigger measures and bigger restrictions and house arrests and all these other things, um, that'll just go again. Because you've got like this 80 90% silent majority just watching the whole thing like it's like it's a netflix series it's really it's really scary and sad okay so let me um let me just share a couple other kind of points i think just in terms of well uh sam harris has a book called uh the moral landscape which i have not read but i just like the image that he painted when he kind of explained the positioning of the book one time and it's like a topographical map, you know, thinking of the world in a topographical map of morality. And that's not bad. Um, and uh, Mark Passio teaches that morality and freedom are one and the same. You can't have freedom without morality. And you, so you can't have morality without like a, a hierarchy of what you think is most important in your community. Anyway, I think personally, when you're thinking about the world now, I think what's really, really useful is a topographical map of mindfuckery. <laughs> Which populations are most in the dark in terms of trusting their government and trusting their TV programming? And I would score Canada extremely dark on that topographical map. I think it would be so useful. The ones, some of the kind of more inspiring ones, 
You know, Sweden keeps getting paraded as an inspiring one. I'm really not sure. I know they've had a rough ride lately, and I know they've they've ignored a lot of these ridiculous measures and their numbers on TV. You know, which are there's a whole game going on behind the numbers on TV, but uh, are showing the same as everybody else's. So they ignored the measures because somehow their health system is separate from their government. They ignored the measures and their performance in terms of the contagion is the same as everyone else's. So that's nice. That gets paraded as it, but I, I, there's so many games going on with that, that uh, I'm sure that's going to be used as an example somehow. Anyhow, some of the countries I have heard in this moral landscape of lack of mind fuckery, Mexico is a great one. Keeps coming up. Um, Nicaragua, I heard was a good one. Uh, Colombia, I'm going to guess because they're lawless and they're vigilante. I mean, they've got that vigilante spirit. And then Peru was another one I heard early on. I'm not sure if that's still valid. But a, lawless, a healthy level of lawlessness and distrust and authority and self-governance uh, combined with uh, you know, moral living, <laughs> however you want to define that, uh, which is generally in like smaller communities that are rural, you know, that's where you're going to find like moral living. Um, if you combine all of that, you're going to find a very attractive place to, to be during this one and whatever's, whatever's coming next. Okay, so let me try and tie, tie in this other idea of... Uh, the, the, here's another word, okay? So I explained how anarchy has been robbed. So anarchy just means no masters, no slaves. There's nothing, there's nothing scary about anarchy. But if you ask anybody, they think anarchy is bedlam and chaos and scary. And it's been associated with some of those crazy movies where you have like one night with no rules, you know, those, so that's when people picture that they've been traumatized by the word anarchy. Um, but here's another one, apprentice. It's no accident that that the current clown boots in office of in the U.S. Um, was on a major hit reality show. I don't know, was it 10 years? Called The Apprentice? They completely denigrated that word. And the idea of apprenticeship is is now, they think apprenticeship is fake it till you make it. It's, it's a snake term where you're supposed to be outmaneuvering your peers. So all, all professional conduct and ethics goes right, right out the window. Um, and that's, that's this loss of apprenticeship and this complete abandonment of professional codes of conduct makes everybody completely manipulate, manipulatable. Oh, this is the other, this is the other argument. Good. This is taking me back to the original. The, uh, and I used to subscribe to this you know, before some of these big ones, big pennies dropped. But people will often say, um, if I have to consider competency versus conspiracy, I'll consider the failure is always going to be competency related. Okay, and that sounded, that used to sound good to me. <laughs> but now you got more than 50% of the U.S. population that knows that 9-11 that, uh, was an inside job. So, uh, and not only that, uh, oh my God, this is just, I got to tie these dots together, but okay, this concept of gaslighting, okay? Gaslighting is when you're actually in the right and the person tries to make you feel terrible about it, okay? So 
you say, it really looks like the shepherd and the sheepdog are working together. It really looks that way. Now, tinfoil hat, conspiracy theorist, blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, mainstream TV that everybody loves to trust like it's the new religion, um, they've been talking about nothing but conspiracies for the last, what, 24 months or something? All of these crazy gate conspiracies. Everybody's fine with that. But then if somebody outside of that narrative says it really looks like the governments and the media are working together and the governments across the world are somehow working together, oh, you're crazy, you know, <laughs> that's when the gaslighting starts. So uh, to dispute that, I find it useful to separate conspiracy fact from conspiracy theory. There's so much, there's a long history of conspiracy fact, false flags, every major battle, every major trauma in the world has been a, has been a self-sabotaging false flag. Um, so the, there's, there's, there's reams and reams and reams. History is a conspiracy history. Um, and yeah, the theory comes in, like I said, when you're trying to tie the threads of what exactly happened with World Trade Center 7 or whatever, whatever it is, or what happened with the passengers, that's where the th speculation comes in. So the mainstream has one has one cohesive story, even if it doesn't make any sense. It's that they're all saying the same story. Uh, and so then the theories come in when you're trying to explain these little threads, and then they're they're weakened because if you just accuse them, oh, you guys don't have the story lining up. Well, we didn't make it up. That's why. <laughs> so um, so anyway, this thing between. Competency and conspiracy, I, I, I know what they're saying, but, but um, you just have to pay attention, I guess, to the, to the, to the machinations, I guess is what I would say. Um, and then the other one, the other argument is, I mean, you know, get five people together, try and organize a one-car parade, you can't get them to agree. So how in God's name could you possibly get governments all over the world and media organizations all over the world that's a great argument too. That's a really, really good argument. And the reason is, but, but then you think about if you're working on a really, really large corporation, like a lot of us have had a chance to do that, especially if it's extremely hierarchical and extremely authoritative and controlled from the hierarchy, it's really, really easy to get everybody to do what the CEO says, right? If there's one email that goes out and the CEO says, this is our top priority this month. Nobody's going to, Nobody's going to second-guess that. So you're just not seeing the hierarchy behind the coordination. You're assuming these are independent agents in different parts of the world that aren't cooperating under one leader. But if they're terrified, if they're in a network that they're terrified of, they're going to fall into line, and it's going to look extremely coordinated, and it's going to be easy to spot, as a lot of people have pointed out online. Okay? Uh, so yes, this idea of um, apprenticing is a waste of time, for one thing, and professional ethics is for pussies, okay? These are kind of the atmosphere nowadays, and I have no idea how to get back out of that. But, uh, but that's, just, that's just a recipe to get all kinds of obedient dogs in the organization just to do what the hierarchy says. If you abandon your ethics and your professional con codes. Okay, um, the mockery. Wow, I don't know if I can get into all of that. Um, the 
almost everything that's done in the mainstream in terms of conspiracy coordination is done with mockery as well. So they're not happy <laughs> if they pull it off. They want to ridicule the people watching at the very same time. And so it's just like an extra dance on the grave of the guys that are in the suburbs watching it all go down. Okay. So maybe one example is the checkerboard, the checkerboard pattern, which is a Masonic symbol. And it, it, um, it represents base consciousness. It represents somebody that's wandering through life and they don't know the difference between right and wrong. They don't know the difference between truth and falsity. They're just bumbling through the checkerboard. Well, that's bad enough, but pay attention to the taxis and the police hats. They're all completely decorated with checkerboards, right? They're saying these people have no idea what they're an agent of, essentially. They're just bumbling fools, bumbling through life. They don't know right from wrong. They don't know up from down. So that's just an example. The other one is they will like parade a really sexy actress from Hollywood. And then later turns out that that's actually a transvestite. You know, that's that one's constantly happening. Um, it's an extra level of mockery. So not only do you not know what's happening and that the the, the roles that they're playing are manipulating you, but we're going to make this person that you adore is actually a man underneath. And that's going to be this extra level of mockery. Okay. Um, the, uh, and this other thing, <laughs> this, this other aspect that has been completely removed from our culture is the idea of righteous anger. Okay is knowing and so you have to have you have to have a, your bearings right wait a second i have every right to be extremely pissed off and i'm going to stand up for this right now you have to know right from wrong to be able to do that but there's a program and it's it's rampant in uh in europe but it's rampant in the younger generations now too that that you know and it's come through the new age that that if you get angry about anything you're wrong the, the guy that's angry the, the guy or woman who's who's expressing outrage, they're, they're, they must be wrong. They haven't risen above it. <laughs> so there's a, there's a difference between like petty anger and immature anger when you're just getting, like your ego's been hurt and you're angry. You know, that's not, that's not, that's not something. And that, so the people aren't separating righteous anger. Well, you've got, you've got a really, really good reason to be really, really pissed off and to, to march and speak out and share facts and confront people on the injustice um, and petty anger, which is just this, you know, narcissistic petty ego level anger. They've they've conflated those two uh, in the cultural programming, and so I've got a number of personal experiences where I have really good reason to stand my ground, and the people around me are so quick to convince you, no, 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 there's nothing to be annoyed about here. You know, I'm, ta I'm not talking about I'm not talking about politics right now. I'm just talking about things that are happening in life. They're so programmed that anger, and I think it's partly that the masculine energy is being neutered in the home, or they're actually being run out of the home. Um, people aren't used to healthy, righteous, stern anger, drawing boundaries when when they're supposed to, and uh, and so as soon as there's annoyance rising up, they assume the person being annoyed is wrong. 
There's no investigation. They're just, you're just wrong. And, and their mind, I, I don't know where this expression comes from, but, uh, oh, Pursuit of Happiness <laughs> is the Will Smith movie I was trying to think of. But this expression where your, your mind is just a chimpanzee on LSD. Like you're, if, you're, if you're running your life from your mind, you can be just so manipulated and you can come up with any rationalization for anything, anytime. Um, so when somebody's trying to talk you out of being angry for the right reasons, that's the chimpanzee on LSD that goes, it kicks into emotion and they'll rationalize anything. And in the moment you start, you start to question yourself, wait, am I being unreasonable? You know, then later you think, wait a second, that was just pure rationalization to diffuse uh, a good uh, case for protecting boundaries or whatever your, whatever your rights are. Um, and so keep an eye for that. People, there's a whole population, there's a whole generation of people that think that all anger, all anger is, uh, is wrong. Uh, and so that's, that's another thing. Like, I think these, these guys that are in the suburbs and their comfort and they're just watching it all go by, they, they know if they, if they get connected to that righteous anger, they know that they'll go all the way with it. Um, and they're just like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into this. You know, <laughs> it's going to disrupt my, my worldview. Um, now, there was one last topic. Oh, yes, I got to I gotta wrap up with this. I know, I know this is a little all over the shop, but I hope it's coming together in terms of the atmosphere we're operating in. Uh, so I guess in summary, you need to tap into that righteous anger. And, and part of that is going to come from the awareness that not only are you being unbelievably manipulated and you have been your entire life, but they're not happy with just manipulating you. They're mocking you at the very same time. Okay. So once you tune into those aspects, you can tap into your righteous anger and you can get motivated to look into some of these things and start speaking out about some of these things. This is just this thing. And I, I think it's just an example. It's an example of how controlled people are and how the atmosphere in businesses are changing. And now this is like only, uh, I'm talking about just interfacing with service organizations, restaurants and bars and cafes, because that's my experience outside of my own corporate life. But what's been happening, uh, it just seems to me that it happened overnight because all of a sudden I see it, but it must've been happening slowly over the last 10 years. What's been happening is, like historically, what's this? What's the situation historically? If you're trying to run a bar or a restaurant, what do you want? You want a professional manager that you trust, uh, and then you want a bunch of staff that are motivated to be in line with whatever the strategy is of that or, of that um, offering. And then in, within that, you know, in a what do you call it? In a principled way, uh, you want to like delight your customers. All day and every day. You want your regulars coming back. You want them bringing family and friends all the time. You put the customers on top of everything. Once you're within that realm of this is the strategy and positioning of this organization. Well, what's been happening is, and this is all these pieces come together <laughs> with this example. Um, they have convinced people that their masters are not the customers. Their masters are their managers, and then the managers have corporate bosses, right? So it's a, it's it's all about the the, um, the money flow and the accounting, 
And so to, to do that, they have to socialize the tips. They socialize the tips. So you've got these great professional baristas and servers that could like make it an incredible experience, but their loyalties are actually to their managers because the managers are the ones handing out tip or handing out the shifts. And they're also the ones like figuring out who gets the next promotion and, and everything else. So as a customer, you go in there and you're just playing like I'm a, I'm a, I didn't notice when I became a second class citizen, you know, I'm a customer, I'm walking into a business enterprise. I think I'm number one within, as long as I'm conducting myself within the conduct of a, of a good guest. Um, that's not the case anymore. You're kind of a nuisance now because everybody that's in that service organization is thinking about their impressing their boss and sucking up to the boss. So what happened and the boss doesn't is kind of threatened by this outside energy. So they, 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 they deal with you, they take your money, but, um, they look at you as if you're beneath them because you're not in their hierarchy. So the hierarchy is flipped upside down where the manager of the enterprise is on top and then probably his financial bosses, CFO of the, whatever the franchise or whoever's behind the scenes is above him. And he's got the corporate track and, uh, the servers are just trying to tippy toe around that guy's pride and ego and control issues. And so the customers become this kind of necessary nuisance and the side effect of this, and this is just everywhere. I can't believe it. it's in the Gulf and it's, and it's, uh, all over a developing world as well. I'm starting to experience it. I don't understand this either. This is some kind of millennial thing, but the manager, even if they're off duty, they're sitting in the restaurant with their laptop because inside that restaurant, they feel like they're always the boss or whatever. And so when you go in as a customer, there's always a manager. Like, I can't tell you how often this is happening. There's some manager, two or three or four managers somewhere in the corner with their laptops, counting their beans, <laughs> feeling like they're working. And what happens on top of that? Well, the servers are serving them first. So when you come in <laughs> as a server, you're like, it's sort of like you're walking into someone else's office space and you're just this, this annoying nuisance. And you're kind of thinking, when did this happen? Like, isn't, isn't my money the money that's actually making this place work? And they've, they've just lost sight of all of that because their loyalties are completely to the hierarchy. It's really, really weird. Uh, to me and um, but it's it's so unbelievably common uh, so I guess and it just it just shows you how controlled the thing is it's a complete top-down control in all of this the whole theme of this of this blast is that somehow through the cultural conditioning and a bunch of other sort of corruptions I guess I would say uh, top-down control has been established so if some government agency says something to the top people in the franchise and then they send it out to the, to the, the, to the branches, they just do it. They just do it. They don't care if it means their branch is going to be out of business in the next four weeks or what have you. Okay. So that's, <laughs> that's a bit of a, a bit of a blast, but, um, I hope it kind of connects some dots and how these pieces are coming together. And I'm, what I'm really wanting to do is give you some ammunition to motivate your fence sitting friends to get really pissed off about the manipulation they're a part of and they're just watching it happen. 
and tap into their righteous anger. I hope that helps and uh, to bring it all together. Anyway, thanks for listening. I enjoyed getting it off my chest <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll connect again next week. Take care. glad we reconnected let's get the community rallied you can join us at the website synthesismeaning.me the podcast history is there in the podcast section uh, we have a mail list we have a facebook group all the information is there for around connecting um, and i will uh, get back to you next week uh, with follow-up following my heart and truth so thanks for joining us nice to be together again in this uh post-apocalypse radio station. Take care.
Push yourself.